0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is BELIEVE. All right, nobody panic. Nobody panic. I need you all to stay calm. Everything's fine. It's only a two game losing streak. We're gonna get through this. We are going to get through this. Eight days off. Yeah, they got to win. There's still some rust there. But it's okay. Everything's gonna be fine. Right? Somebody tell me it's gonna be fine. I need to know it's going to be okay. Okay. I think I'm calm now. I got that out of my system. We're ready to go. Let's get back on track. Erase everything that happened against St. Louis. And let's look ahead. Good week coming up. Got some tough opponents. A one anyway. And then hopefully, you know, business taken care of against the next, but... We'll get to that in just a minute. Welcome to the Believe in Avalanche podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eric Pesolano. You can follow along with the show on Twitter at Believe in Avs, at Abs. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Eric underscore Pesolano on both. Check out TikTok. We post clips of the show over there as well sometimes, so you can enjoy that. Welcome back, everybody. You know, I know we did a show last week, but the team was off. For 8 days, we finally got to see some games, and we were very happy with what we saw for the first 60 minutes. The last 120 minutes? We'll forget about that real quick, I hope. But nothing to worry about right now, right? I hope not. We'll get your thoughts on the games last week and how you think the team is playing right now, but it's more of, what are your thoughts watching this team out of the break? Are you concerned? Uh, I tell you what, I read a lot of your comments, you don't seem too concerned, which is good. I'm not concerned either. Yeah, I made a big hoopla about it at the top of the show. But, you know, I'm trying to get you to listen, so I gotta be overdramatic, right? Alright, let's see what's on tap for today. Of course, we're gonna recap the three games from the previous week. We'll take a look at the games coming up. A few more on the schedule, of course. How about those NHL TV deals? that were announced just the other day. Those are pretty interesting. I want to dive deeper into that a little bit, give you my thoughts on what I think about the NHL moving to new television partners. And then, of course, as we always do, we will end on a lighter note. So let's start off with the game recaps. I'm going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to talk a lot about game number 44 of the year, the first game out of our second COVID pause, Abs on the road taking on the Blues. Devin Dubnik taking on Jordan Bennington, Patrick Nemeth, Martin Kaut enter the lineup. Jared Bednar in this game. Passes Bob Hartley for the most games coached in team history with 360. He's now at 362 after the last two games. By the time you listen to this, could be 363. The game against Vegas could already be in the books by the time you listen to this. This would mean... That by the end of the weekend, after the two games with San Jose are complete, this man will have coached one game for a full year's worth. 365 games. That's insane. That is a large number. I know there's other coaches that have coached many, many more. But think about that. Imagine coaching one NHL game starting January 1st and going all the way every day through December 31st. That's the amount of time that Jared Bednar will have put in by the time this weekend is complete. That's just a crazy thing to think about. Anyway, back to the game. Blues start off with a power play, a minute 41 in. Brandon Saad headed to the box for that one. Belmar nearly came away with a shorthanded chance, and Achushkin and Soderberg actually had a couple shorthanded chances as well. Blues have not allowed a shorthanded goal all season. They would not do so throughout this series either. Uh, but the Avalanche get a couple of shots on goal early in this particular man advantage. Hoffman fired one off the crossbar and a little bit later on it was Schwartz who was wide open in the slot on a touch pass from Bozak. And uh, Graves got caught a little bit up there in the middle. Penalty killing, which just a couple short months ago I talked about was really the strength of this team. And you heard Mark Moser talking about it on the TV broadcasts on Altitude that the team took a slide in the rankings for penalty killing because they were off, so they slid down the list a little bit. But in reality, they come out and you watch, which I I should say, he's right, that did happen, but there's a little bit more to that where you look at this team now coming out of this break, things are slipping. We thought Patrick Nemeth was going to be a guy who'd come in there to help with the penalty killing unit, and so far his appearances have been less than stellar. I could go a little bit more harsh than that, but I'm going to be nice because he is back with the team, but there's still a different group of guys out there than he was with. Still trying to gel, still trying to find his way in his first game here with the Avalanche. Or I should say back with the Avalanche. So they give up that power play goal. Pretty rough start early, but uh, they are able to draw a penalty after Falk was called for high-sticking against Jost. McKinnon had a nice play to back-check and stop a breakaway, and then you see, you know, these shorthanded chances coming left and right as the game began. Nate had a couple of shots toward the net, too, on the power play, but a few of them can't get all the way through, so it started off okay. It was a decent power play. They didn't score, but the end of it was just a nightmare. O'Reilly forced a turnover. He created a chance. He couldn't get it on target. This guy, I mean, everybody, is all over Ryan O'Reilly right now, as they should be. He's playing like an MVP candidate. He's not an MVP candidate for this season. But right now, this past week, and a lot of the weeks throughout the year, but just not enough, Ryan O'Reilly playing like that Hart Trophy candidate, at least in the last week against Colorado. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit that comes out of you when it's the team that traded you that you want to go out and you want to show them, like, hey, why'd you trade me? And he made him pay for it in more ways than one. We'll get to that in a little bit, of course. But Soderbergh had a backhand chance, Pennington turned it away, got another chance a little bit later on a mini two-on-one in front after a defender fell down at the blue line, but uh, he couldn't bring it around to get a shot off, and then Dubnik had to make a couple of stops. Blues were taking a lot of long shots on net, they were just trying to throw anything they could at Dubnik, who was making his second start with the avalanche. Then the Avs were able to find the back of the net before the period was over. 31 seconds left in the frame, Brandon Saad was able to find some space and is left all alone for a five-hole backhander to even things up. Joe's put it right on the money, too, from the boards. And we end up 1-1 to after the first period. Abs out shooting the Blues 9-7. They were out hit. What else is new? And then we go to the second period. Pareko called for a delay game. Puck over glass. Just 27 seconds in. McCarr tried to wrap around. Cadre had a near-side shot that didn't really go. Timmins backside try. Somehow miraculously turned away by the defense. I'll never figure that one out. And eventually they're unable to score. But Jos was able to draw a call. And Avs went back to the power play. Burakovsky took his own rebound off the end wall. and Poked it past Bennington behind him. The entire power play here. Sharp start to finish. This is the power play unit we want to see. McCarr and McKinnon were able to get a couple of assists on the play. So it's 2-1 Avs. Uh, Dubnik made a save on Kairou. Kept it out during the subsequent scrum, so he was able to keep the game still at 2-1 with the team in the lead. But then the Avs go on a power play again, done through the puck over the glass. Second time the Blues have done that in the game, and then they almost did it again a little bit later. 20 seconds in, as a matter of fact. Could have been a 5-on-3, but it was ruled to have been deflected and skipped off the glass. McKinnon raced in, he had a shot off, didn't go. One-timer by McKinnon was turned away a little bit later on again. Abs do not score on the power play. So at this point, they are one for three in the period on the man advantage. And the Blues are getting themselves in trouble with penalties. And my, how the turntables have... Well, you get it. Once the other two games rolled around. Gerard somehow put together his own firing squad. Binnington stopped one. Defense got in front stopped the other. Then McCarr had a wraparound chance. He tried it again. He's going to get one to go one of these days. And then near the end of the period, too many men on the ice for Colorado. Avs killed off pretty quickly and Soderbergh then gets called for holding. Penalty carried over and then the Avs were able to kill it off there as that third period began. So after two, it's 2-1 two Avs. They got that power play goal to give themselves the lead in the period. Blues could not score on their power play in the second frame. Ended up being a four on four after a Landeskog holding call and then Schwartz was called for slashing. Turned into the fifth Avs power play early in that third period. Gerard gets called for holding. And now you're looking at the Blues getting their third power play in a period. So penalties were ridiculous in this game. And then Burakovsky got the layup on the backside after McKinnon was able to draw in the defense to the corner. Landeskog pushed it over. Easy finish. Second goal of the game for Burakovsky as lead it 3-1. Blues come right back. Schwartz gets a little softy to score through on Dubnik. It was deflected. He was upset about it. He knew it should have been turned away, so now it's 3-2. to Tarasenko a little bit later had a great look in front, air it straight over the net, looked like it had a pretty good chance to go with Dubnik a little bit out of position. Blues start to pick it up. They get a push to go with about three minutes left. At this point, you figure Bennington's going to come out of the net. He did with a minute 45 to go. Blues have nine six-on-five goals this season. That's... When the goaltender was pulled either in late game situations or during delayed penalties. But then Belmar, wide open, gets the layup on the empty net goal. McKinnon and Landeskog pick up a couple of easy assists there. As get a nice road win after being off for eight days, four to two, the final score. Two goals for Burakovsky, three assists for McKinnon, two assists for Landeskog. Those are your three stars in order one, two, three. And for the fourth straight season, your Avalanche have clinched a postseason berth and they win the season series against the Blues at this point because they'd already won 5 out of 6 against St. Louis with only 2 to go. The one thing you did not want to see happen was for the Avalanche to end up in a scenario where the series turned out to be 5-3. 5-1 and 2 would have been okay. 5-2 and 1 would have been fine. And to be honest, in the long run, 5-3 is okay as well. But not after you led the series 5-1. to one cannot let them come back and take each of the next two games in regulation well my friends spoiler alert you already know what happened the next game do nick binnington again shen gets called for high sticking really quickly another early power play for the Abs. 31 seconds in bertuzo then got called for roughing Landeskog. that was the one where he checked him across the face should have been a high stick because he well, hit him with a stick in the face. Andy Drew Blood should have been a double minor. At this point, I'm, you know, full transparency. I'm on Twitter a lot during the games. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what the beat writers have to say. And I want to hear what they're saying on both sides. I want to hear the Avs support staff. I'll call it between fans and writers. I want to hear what their thoughts are. I want to hear what the Blues fans and staff have to say. I have never seen anything more night and day on a call that was so blatantly clear. Yes, I understand. I'm part of the Avalanche quote-unquote staff. They don't pay me. I don't cover the team in any official capacity. I do this podcast to give you something to be entertained with. You can hear my ranting and raving about it. So yeah, you can say I'm on the side of the Avalanche very clearly. However, a guy takes a high stick off the face. His nose is bleeding, not through a nostril, but on the outside of the bridge of his nose. Gushing blood. Gets a two-minute roughing minor. It's a textbook high-sticking for a double minor, and I'm seeing Blue's Twitter and some of their beat writers saying, that's a soft penalty and should have been no call? Are you kidding me? The guy's out there losing half a pint out of his face after he took a stick up there. He gets a two-minute minor call, which was the lightest potential call that could have been made on that play. There was no way on earth they weren't going to call a penalty. But to not give the extra two minutes for the blood? I mean, come on. And I I get it. There's a lot of times where you can tell that maybe intent wasn't there. So maybe you do the lesser of the penalties that can be given because it wasn't that bad. But you have to call something. You feel like that's what the official did here. Except, it was very clear what happened. The stick went up high into the face of Gabriel Landeskog. The man started bleeding. Do we have to start reviewing for penalties like this now? Judgment calls? And yes, they're judgment calls. This is a judgment call. You can argue all you want that judgment calls are not reviewable. I've argued about it for months and months and months. You've heard me say it on the show several times that everything should be reviewable. Everything. Judgment call, I don't care. Let them see it again and see if they would have called it differently. You don't want to do it for every single play in a game. You want to limit the amount of times it's done. But when things are very blatantly missed, go back and look at it. That's all anybody's asking you to do. I had an argument. Well, it really wasn't an argument. It was more of a discussion. Usually it's argument with my friends when we talk about sports. But this was more of a discussion. Never in the history of any sport have fans been upset that, an official went back, looked at a play, and corrected it to the right call. There are times when you may be on the wrong end of the call, and you end up not getting it to go in your favor, but you're not mad at the officiating crew for getting it right. You can say you are, but it's really an empty feeling. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. You're not really upset at the official for changing the call to what it should be. More importantly, if it's one call in a game and 30 other teams or I guess 29 other teams are seeing this call and it gets changed to what the accurate call should be 30 teams are going to be happy that the right call was made and the one not happy is going to be the team who it goes against but you know how coaches and players are they're going to politic for every little call they can are they really upset about it probably not sometimes they are But in a case like this, if it went to review and they ruled it to be high-sticking and a double minor because blood is so very clearly coming off this man's face, did you really think Craig Berube and the Blues were going to be upset about it? They were going to argue it. I'd imagine they'd argue it. But when they go in the locker room after the game, are they going to say, well, I can't believe they changed that to a high-sticking call? No. That's not going to happen because they know. During the game, they're going to try to get every call to go their way. That's a coach's job. That's a captain's job. Politic those officials and try to get every call to go your way. You know you're not going to get them all. This being one of them. How this play was ruled a two-minute for roughing, I'll never know. And in the grand scheme of things, it's really not going to matter. That one call isn't going to matter. The issue is, what happens when this happens in Game 7 of a Stanley Cup final? Or... Rewind to just a couple years ago. Vegas and San Jose in the conference semifinals. They go to a Game 7. Vegas has a huge lead. And then Pavelski gets drilled. They call it a roughing major and a game misconduct. Knights go shorthanded. Sharks put all those goals in the net. Bang. They win in overtime. Sharks advance. Knights go home. Yeah, I get it. You can argue... Oh, well, you could have not given up three goals on that kill. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you are right. You are absolutely correct, those of you who argue that point. But the original point is, was it a major penalty? Or did we make a call based on what happened to the player? That he fell awkwardly and landed in a position that basically split his head open. Was it the crime that caused that? Or the fact that he lost his footing? Should you be able to go back and look at that? Yes. Yes. Yes, you should be able to. Go back and look at that. Could you imagine what would have happened in that series had they gone back and looked at that play and said, oh, you know what? He actually stumbled and lost his balance. He wasn't drilled in the head. It's a two-minute minor. Unfortunate for Pavelski that it ended up the way it did. It's not a five-minute major. And after that first goal would have been scored on a minor penalty to make it 3-1, to one, they don't get two other chances up that many men or up a man. They have to Go out there and battle and try to get another power play. And that wasn't the case. And I know I may be making a bigger deal out of all this than what will inevitably be just another call in another game in the regular season that really doesn't matter. But the issue is, when it comes down to a big moment, and a call like this happens, you should be able to review it. You should be able to go back and look at tape. Get the call right. Let's move along. So the abs go up 5-on-3 after Bertuzzo gets that call. McCar blasts one from Burakovsky and McKinnon. And they're able to get on the board quickly. Made it one to nothing. This was the Saturday game where it looked like everything was going their way. Landeskog all alone in front. He scores after McCar circles the net. And Landeskog is found wide open in the middle. McKinnon gets an assist again. So two goals in the first three minutes and one second for the Avalanche. 13-game point streak for Nathan McKinnon. Everything is right with the world. Abs are just going to cruise through this one. Right? Right? Bueller? Oh boy. Jost comes off after a collision in the corner. Looked like he jerked his neck when he hit the boards awkwardly. Ended up coming back to the game later on. But in the middle of all this, the Abs were just boat racing the Blues. And then there was a turnover... Sammy Blay rung one right off the post. Taves came down Main Street, turned away by Binnington. Tarasenko tried to power move around Taves, and Dubnik was able to stuff it away. And then the own goal that we hadn't seen in quite some time comes back to haunt us. As O'Reilly outworked everybody in the corner, honestly, and just banked it right in off of Taves. 2-1. And that's it. From that moment forward, this series was done. This three-game series, O'Reilly embarrassed every single player in the Burgundy and Blue on his second goal. Dubnik was way out of position. The defense is diving all over the place. They looked lost. A five-minute span of just absolute hilarity from this team. No other way to say it. And I'm embarrassed too. I was embarrassed as a fan to watch the rest of this game. I was. Doesn't mean I dislike the team. Doesn't mean I think all hope is lost. It's just one of those moments. And you know what? In the long run, it's going to end up being one of those moments in a regular season where we may never even remember it. Or it could turn into, hey, remember that game on that Saturday afternoon at Enterprise Center when it looked like the Avalanche were about to run away with the division and just motor through everybody? And then St. Louis turned it on and demoralized them and ended the year. You know, those are two wildly different results. I certainly hope it's the former. After one, it's 3-2 to two, St. Louis. As able to tie it up though, McKinnon with a blast on a one-timer on the left side from McCarr. Nice job by Burakovsky here as he started up from the right side. Went all the way around the horn. This was only nine seconds into a power play too after Hoffman was called for slashing. Looked like it took a little bit of a deflection off Bortuzzo. Caught his jersey just a little. Nathan McKinnon's point streak continues because he gets another helper here. And it looks like they got a shot as we go to the third period tied at three. But Hoffman blasts one up over Dubnik on a five on three as they get their big power play. Gave the Blues the 4-3 to lead. They get the empty netter in the end when O'Reilly. Really, if you look at the last two games of this series... They were entirely summed up by this empty net goal by O'Reilly. Throws it off the boards to himself. Gets around 3 avalanche. Puts it into an empty net from just beyond center ice. And that's all she wrote. Blues win it 5-3. Lots of penalties in this game. Avs allowed 4 power plays. Only gave up 1 goal. It was on that 5-on-3. But now the penalties start to rear their ugly head. We go to the final regular season matchup. Between these two teams, Jonas Johansson gets the start. And you know, the first real chance in this one came from Soderbergh. And I have to tell you, he ain't lighting the world on fire. But I've been impressed with Carl Soderbergh. He came back in almost like he didn't miss a beat. Again, this isn't a guy who's going to come out here and change the world. He was a role player and a piece that Joe Sackick thought could be very useful to help this team get going. And I think he's doing well for his role. He's doing what's asked of him. You don't got to go out there and be world beaters. Just go out there and do your job. And in my opinion, you know, he's not going to get on the score sheet a whole lot, but he's going out there. He's working hard. He's doing what he needs to do. And, you know, at this particular moment in time, you can't really say a whole lot in that category for a lot of the other guys on the team. Because the last two games of this series, minus the first three minutes, eh, or five to six minutes of the opening period of that second game, have just been an absolute joke. The energy level, the effort level, not there. Is it a product of missing eight days? Uh, You know, it's hard to say. Because they did win that first one. Is it a product of being stuck in the same city for a few days? Almost a week. Yeah, it could be. It could be. I mean, look at the Coyotes and Blues. They played each other for seven consecutive games. You think they weren't tired of each other? Both teams held down the fort. What's Colorado's excuse? They got to right the ship. Abs were down 2-0 after that first period. And then the Blues were able to get a couple goals there in the second. McKinnon got a goal again. Kept the point streak alive. That made it 4-1. I'm not even going to go over the third period because it's useless at this point. 4-1 is your final score. Blues win the last two in quite a decisive fashion and they're able to close the gap in the season series. Abs do win at 5-3, but in reality, all that was is turning one win into a loss, and this season series is tied. And the way St. Louis had been playing, and the way Colorado had been playing prior to the pause, and even in that first game that they won, this shouldn't have happened. It really shouldn't. You don't want to wake a sleeping giant. The team had been playing all that great this season, but we seem to forget that this team hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup not but a couple of years ago when they beat the Boston Bruins. So this isn't exactly a pushover squad. Rules are different this year. It's a weird season. Last year was a weird season. They didn't particularly perform well in the bubble, nor did they here in the first two-thirds of the season or three-quarters of a season. But teams that know how to win when it matters will wake up at the right time, and you didn't want to do that with St. Louis, especially when they're racing for that fourth and final playoff spot. In the Honda NHL West division. We'll see how it all turns out. But this was not a good performance. And the Avalanche need to wake up. And that includes Nathan McKinnon. That play where he brought it into the zone. And tried to do something cute with the puck like he always does. You know, every now and again. It's okay. It's okay to do that stuff. Especially with his talent. Sometimes it's a little bit of overkill. This was one of those times. He lost the puck. Turned it over. And just gave up on the play. Flat out. Gave up on the play. And that's the kind of stuff you do not want to see. You don't want to see the best player on the team just stop. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you make. When your best player does little things like that, that's when the rest of the team starts to slack off. And again, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. I seem to do that quite often on this show. And maybe it's just my frustration seeping out, you know, through all the seams. But something's got to change. And it's got to change right now. This is one of those times where you have the closed-door players meeting. This team is in second place. They're in danger right now of falling into third. They have a bunch of games at hand. Not terribly concerned. They've got a few with L.A. coming up. They've got a few with San Jose also. Those are going to be big chances to get those points back and make them up where you missed them. But this team is cup or bust, and you can tell by the way they've played this season. So you can't let up now. This is not the time to take the foot off the gas pedal. Not over these last, you know, eight, nine games of the regular season. Or however many left there are at this point in time. I think it might be ten, now that I think of it. Or, you know, maybe a little less by the time you listen to this. Closed-door meetings with players, man. Sometimes they work. Sometimes you just need a leader to rip into everybody. Is it Gabe? Is it Nate? Hell, is it Miko when he comes back? Somebody's got to wake him up. Maybe it's time for Gabe and... Nemeth and Soderberg to go in there and be like, hey, we remember when this team sucked. Do not fall back into that. That's a stretch for me. I'll say it again. From how they're playing this year to that team from a few years ago, day and night. But a nice reminder of how bad things were around here to how far they've come and how close they are to winning another championship might just be the kick in the rear these guys need. You never know. But I'm not happy with the performance. I know you at home are not happy with it either. And I know everybody around the organization isn't happy, but when it's all said and done, it's really only two games. And yeah, it's against the Blues. It would have been nice to finish off a season series with a win, which by the way, the Avs have not been good at this year. They've lost quite a few times in the series finale against a few squads. More times than not, as a matter of fact. Time to go to work, boys. You're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eric Pesolano. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. We'll get you a poll question coming up, too, on Facebook and Instagram. At Eric underscore Pesolano is the name. I go into a lot of those Avalanche fan groups. I'll ask a question. This week, it was your thoughts on the team's performance in those three games after their COVID pause. And I got a couple of the responses here. So let's go ahead and take a look at what you think the team's performance looked like. I'll start with Paul Wally, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but simply put, he says, without Rantanen, Saad, and Donskoy, they haven't been the same team who were all dominating before the COVID break. We need all three of these players plus Grubauer in goal back and at 100% during playoff time. Yep. You said simply put, you weren't kidding. Keith McFarlane says, sluggish return, very sloppy, getting out of the D-end. Playing a team hungry for a playoff spot while our team is already in really doesn't help. I think the last two games showed me they are taking a short mental break thinking they were already in. That could be two. They've already clinched a playoff spot. They know they're going to the postseason, but you want to get that number one seed. Everybody wants to win the division. Home ice throughout. It'd be real nice to have a lot of people try to come through Denver to win some games during the postseason. But there's also a little part of you that sometimes says, Hey, we're in. If there's a couple nights that things don't go well, hey, so be it. But you can't make it a habit. You cannot play like you already got it. Even though you already got it. I'm talking about a playoff spot. You gotta keep going. You gotta keep going. Adam Spitzig says. McKinnon continues to make his case for the Hart Trophy. Continuing his 14 game point streak. And that's all he has to say about that. Where was Adam? Before I went on a rant. About 20 minutes ago. About how upset I am about the team's last two games. He's on team... Don't worry about it. We got Nathan McKinnon, the best player in the world. I love that. And maybe that's some of the positive attitude they need as this season moves on and continues. We'll post more questions as the year goes on, asking you your thoughts about the team. Who knows what it's going to be next week. I mean, with the schedule coming up, we'll see how they perform. That's where the questions usually come from. Let's take a look ahead to the next four games coming up for the Avalanche. Maybe they were overlooking the Blues a little bit, knowing the Golden Knights were coming up on the schedule. Av's going to be in Vegas on Wednesday night, 7.30 puck drop Mountain Time. And then Friday, Saturday, back-to-backs for Colorado. Back at home at Ball Arena, taking on the San Jose Sharks. 7 p.m. Mountain Time Friday, 6 p.m. on Saturday night, and then Monday night, 8.30 Mountain Time. They'll switch venues. They'll head to SAP Center in San Jose. For a pair, because they're going to play Wednesday as well. 7.30 Mountain Time on Wednesday. So Knights, Sharks, Sharks, Sharks. Then two against the Kings. The season finale against the Golden Knights. And two back at home against the Kings. Ending on May 13th. And that will conclude the regular season. Obviously that schedule changed a little bit. If you look at the reschedules... The game from April 26th at Vegas is now May 10th. That's the one near the end of the year. April 16th and 18th against the Kings are now May 12th and 13th at Ball Arena. Those were the rescheduled games because of the COVID pause. and We talked about it on the show last week. We figured they would tack them all on to the end of the regular season, which they did. Because they did that, and because the Canucks had to have some games moved around, Uh, So did the Blues and Wild. They actually had four games between the two of them get shuffled a little bit and then a Knights-Sharks game had to be moved to accommodate. But knowing now that all these games got added on to the end of the regular season, that's going to mean the postseason is probably going to be pushed back a week, maybe a week and a half. The NHL announced this a few weeks ago saying, we don't really know the start date of the Stanley Cup playoffs yet. I think at this point in time, they have a pretty good idea, but you don't know what's going to happen the rest of this regular season. Still 10 games to go. For Colorado, a lot of other teams have around six, seven, eight in that realm. They have a pretty good idea when it's going to start, but you still got to be diligent. You still got to follow those safety protocols to make sure that there is not another postponement of games during the regular season that'll affect everything. They're so close, so close to the finish line for the regular season. So that's a look ahead with the schedule changes coming up here over the next week. The last big topic I want to talk about is television. NHL announced that a seven-year agreement was reached between the league and Turner Sports. You know them better as TNT, TBS, sometimes True TV. I'd imagine that'll be an overflow network at some point, probably during the playoffs. So the NHL will move away from NBC at the conclusion of this regular season, and next year will move to ESPN and ABC as their primary television broadcaster, and internet streaming service. Turner will be secondary. This includes TNT, TBS, and HBO Max, which is going to have some streaming rights involved in there as well. HBO Max works with Turner on a lot of projects, so that's not entirely a shock. My question on this podcast, if you want to reply on Twitter, at Believe in Avs, or you can send it to me at Eric underscore Pasolano. You can send it on Instagram, send it on Facebook, I don't really care. What are your thoughts on these TV rights deals? I'm going to give you mine. If you respond to me, I'll read them on the show next week. My take is, this could not have happened at a better time. There are a lot of folks who remember what the NHL on ESPN was like back in the day. The relationship ended rather sourly when the lockout happened back in the 04 season. The league knew they were headed to a work stoppage, and so did the network. And as soon as they did, ESPN at the time had to make a decision. We're going to lose a full season of this, and who knows when they're going to come back. So they dumped it. They got rid of the contract. That's just a good business move. Since then, everyone has complained about their coverage of the NHL. Rightly so? I would say no. You have to look at it from a business standpoint, because that's what the entertainment industry is, and sports are entertainment. Ergo, sports are a business. We say this all the time. You have to look at it as ESPN takes care of their properties, just like every other television network. They're going to lead with the NBA. They're going to talk about LeBron James. They're going to lead with the NFL, especially the NFL is king. They have Monday night football. They're going to have a Super Bowl coming up soon. They're going to flex schedule Monday night games now coming up. That's the primary deal. Primetime games. You're going to take care... Of the leagues that are taking care of you. And since the NHL wasn't part of the family for all those years. From 2004 up until now. Guess what? You're going to see a lot of sports centers coming up. That are going to lead off with Stanley Cup playoff action. And you're going to have a Wednesday night with a. Oh my goodness did you see what happened in the Panther stars game last night. It's going to happen folks. The West Coast Sports Center that starts at 10 p.m. out here. Pacific Time is going to lead off with some Kraken highlights at some point. Especially their inaugural game. You're going to hear about that first. I guarantee it. Unless something crazy major breaks in the sports news world that night, it's going to lead off with the Kraken highlights from their inaugural game. I don't even care what the score is. Hockey's in Seattle. ESPN's got a Pacific Time Sports Center. They're going to lead the show with it. And the NHL is going to get the care they deserve again. Because they're part of the family. They were not part of the family before. And I think a lot of this is owed to the streaming contracts with Disney, who is the parent company of ESPN and ABC, having a controlling interest in BAM Tech, which runs Major League Baseball's streaming platforms and the NHL streaming platforms. You've been able to watch NHL games on ESPN Plus the last two seasons. Did you know that? I'm sure you did. You're hockey fans. You're going to find where the game is every single night. And you'll be able to watch it. Well, now... It's going to be distributed even more widely than you ever thought before. Games will be on ESPN+. Plus. Games are going to be on ESPN. They'll be on ESPN too. ABC is going to carry games. The Stanley Cup Finals are coming back. And you're going to hear that sweet theme music. We've talked about it before. Now you add in a secondary market with Turner. Now you have two legitimate cable broadcasters carrying the NHL. Where for the last, oh gosh, quick math, 16 or 17 years... It's been won. Games were on NBC. They were on NBCSN. NHL Network had some games, of course. USA was used in the playoffs. CNBC, MSNBC used in the playoffs. And that's it. You got your Wednesday night rivalry game of the week. You had a game Sunday afternoon. Maybe a Monday or a Tuesday game. That's all you're getting from NBC and NBCSN on a regular week. Look what you have now. ESPN, ESPN2 during the week. TBS, TNT, right there at their disposal. Guys, we're looking at maybe four to five nights a week with an NHL game on television. Maybe a little bit less than that, but it's certainly going to be more than it was. And I'm saying four or five days. That's not four or five games. There could be doubleheaders. I'd imagine they'll work it out the same way ESPN and Turner work it out for the NBA. You know, you have your Wednesday night games... That are on ESPN. Friday night games on ESPN. Tuesday and Thursday are on TNT. NBA TV gets a couple. We'll see what's going to happen with NHL Network. We heard Gary Bettman say they're not real sure. Where direction they're going to go with NHL Network now. The lighter note that we're ending the show on. Is you're going to get more hockey available to you. Than you ever did before. In your lifetime. You can guarantee that. And it's probably not going to cost you all that much more. It's going to cost you more. I'm not here to sugarcoat anything, you know that. When they add major North American professional sports games to television packages, yeah, your bill's going to go up a buck or two a month, probably. Maybe more. Guys, it's the way of the world. It's business for you. If you want to watch the games, you're going to find a way to do it. And you're going to budget to make sure you can do it. I did. I did it for years, making sure I could see as many games as possible. And now here we are. More games are going to be on television than ever have before. And this is a good thing. You're going to complain about the broadcasters and, oh my gosh, I can't stand listening to this and this and this. I don't like this guy. I'd rather this guy. Watch the game. If you want to turn it on mute, turn it on mute. You got your game. If you need to mute it and turn on Connor McGahee on Altitude Radio, do that. But there's more games coming up on TV and this is something we should all be championing, and be very excited about. I know I am. I can't wait to hear that ESPN, what used to be Thursday night hockey music that they use right now just for college hockey, and then when they do their occasional five-minute Barry Melrose-centered report every couple of nights with Neil Everett on the Pacific Time Zone Sports Center. Things are about to change, folks. It's an exciting time for the NHL. We don't applaud Gary Bettman for much. Yes, he's going to make a ton of more money for his league out of this. But we're all going to get to watch more hockey. And I'm imagining that the reason you are all listening to me right now is because you want more hockey. It's on the way, guys. I can't wait. That's going to do it for today's episode of Believe in Avalanche. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Aves at B-L-E-A-V, in Avs. Follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Pesilano. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook as well. Same name. You can search me, Eric Pasolano. Thank you all as well for submitting your comments and your thoughts about the team over the last week. We'll have another question coming up on social media for you next week. Bonus question, of course, being what you think about the NHL moving to ESPN and Turner Sports. We will talk to you next week, everybody, out of these next three games before our next show. I'm going to ask, well actually it's four games. I'm gonna ask for half. Give me four out of eight. That's what I want from the Avalanche. I'm tired of asking close to the most because I keep getting burned. I'm gonna ask for half. Win two out of the four games in regulation. Give me some overtimes in there as well so we can get it to at least five or six. But gosh, give me four. This is the first time all year. We've done a show where they earned less than half of the available points in the games they played. They only picked up two out of six. I don't ever want to see that again the rest of this season. And I know you don't either. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Go Abs, Go!